Well, good evening, and God bless you. Would you give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, a hand clap of praise? He is indeed worthy. You may be seated. It's a delight to be back at Only Believe Ministries. Every time I come here, I... What, this one? Would you like me to sign it for you? Or? Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that. You can, you, you can have that one. Uh, speaking of signing, I'll, I'll be glad uh, to take the time to see you in the lobby following our service tonight. And if you get a book, I'll be glad to sign it for you. Find out who you are, where you're from, and uh, take the time to visit with you following the service immediately. After our time here, I'll see you in the lobby. For those of you who'd like to get a copy of that book, uh, regarding the book, um, it's titled Your Guide to the Apocalypse. And what the book is intended and does is it takes the Word of God and it gives you a very clear understanding of where we are in the world today. Uh, Pastor Hagee has always been a very profound uh, and rich prophecy teacher. My intention in writing that book was not to try and one-up him. It would be a waste of time. However, my intention in that book is to get as many people prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ as possible. And the way that that book approaches the topic, it doesn't talk about the size of the horses that are coming in Revelation. It doesn't talk about how fast we're going to get from here to heaven. It talks about the world that we're living in right now and why this world is exactly the kind of world that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ. If you're ready for the rapture, you don't have to worry about Revelation. If you aren't ready for the rapture, you get to tell us how big the horses were when we get back. My intention is not to argue the details. My intention is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that book gives people an understanding economically, historically, prophetically, biblically, and every other way so that you have an understanding that gives you information that enables you not only to share your faith more clearly, but make sure that your heart and your mind are right exactly where they should be. To the gentleman who watches us three times uh, a day, sir, if you would like a quality control job, we'll be glad to offer that to you. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to invest uh, in our ministry. Uh, speaking of ministry, I have the opportunity from time to time to minister in music, and I was asked to do that uh, here tonight. So if you would humor me, uh, I'd like to sing just before I preach, if that doesn't bother anybody. Just suppose God searched through heaven. He couldn't find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was for the cross tonight I'm so glad he was willing to drink his bitter cup although he prayed father let it pass from me and I 
so glad he didn't call heaven's angels to from my hands pull the nails that torment me had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary Father, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you loved us enough that we would not be lost, but that we could be here tonight, sons and daughters of the Most High God, having the rights and privileges of children in your household to enter into your presence and speak to you as Abba Father. Tonight, as we open up your word and we declare your name, let chains of bondage be broken. Let yokes of oppression be destroyed. Let the Holy Spirit and His power fill this house as we've come here tonight to do as we've done many times before. Only believe that all things are possible through Christ our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. It is a delight to be back in Bodkins tonight. If you brought your Bibles, I want you to turn them very quickly to a few passages. The first is Psalms 23, verse 5. The next is Isaiah, the 11th chapter, the 27th, or the 10th chapter and the 27th verse. I enjoy coming to this church, not only for the spirit that's felt in this place, but for the leadership of this house. Pastor Dosik is such a wonderful individual with his heart not only for this city and for this sanctuary but for the world i'm always astounded to hear of the work that god has him doing around the world and i thank god for your pastor and i encourage you to thank god for your pastor because the bible's very clear that sheep without a shepherd are lost and i'm thankful that this house has leadership that enables it to understand the power of the gospel and the truth of God's word. That's a rare thing in the world that we live in. The Bible says that there would be a famine in the last days and that that famine would be for bread, but not for bread that we'd eat, but for the bread of heaven, the word of God. And I'm thankful that here at this church, there's a banqueting table that's supplied by the man of God and his family. If you're thankful for your pastor, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I bring you greetings from my pastor, and the reason I do that is because as a man under authority, I don't go anywhere unless he permits. And so upon receiving the invitation to return to Only Believe, although I did have to say please, he said, yes, you may. And uh, so I bring you greetings from Pastor John Hagee and Cornerstone Church tonight. Tonight I want to speak to you on the awesome power of the anointing. There are a lot of words that we get to use in Christianity that mean different things at different times and based on our traditions and our background, they have different purposes and functions. There are times when the word anointing is utilized and, and sometimes abused. And then there are times when it is discarded and taken for granted. But tonight I want to speak to you from the Bible's perspective on this word so that you understand how it relates to you and God's intended purpose for the anointing in your life. The anointing is God's mark of distinguishment upon you. 
It is his way of setting you apart from everyone else. It's God's way of pulling out all that he has laid within you that some might call your potential and maximizing them for his glory and for his purpose. You see, David was a shepherd, and as a shepherd, he was just one amongst the sheep. But when that shepherd suddenly got anointed, all of the skills that he had as a shepherd took him from being one among them to being a king who ruled and reigned on a throne. I believe that in this room tonight there is royalty, but I believe that sitting where you are without the anointing, you'll always just be one amongst the sheep. But if the holy presence of God will be poured out upon you and you receive an anointing, God will take you on a path that enables you to ascend to the place that he designed, created, and called you to be. You see, it wasn't David's willingness that made him a wonderful king. It was not only his courage that gave him the ability to lead. It was not only his servant's heart that gave him a desire to be around others, but it was something that distinguished him far above all others, and that is the anointing. The dramatic change doesn't take place in David's existence because he was talented or because he was charismatic. I mean, David was kind of the guy who had it all. He was not only a jock and an athlete and one of these great warrior guys, but he was also a musician. I mean, who doesn't like a guy who can throw a 60-yard pass and play a six-string, right? It wasn't talent and charisma that made David a king. There were talented and charismatic people in David's day just like there were talented and charismatic people today. It wasn't ability. It was something that God placed on his ability. And that's what I've come to share with you tonight. The awesome power of the anointing. Because powerless things become powerful under the anointing. Those who are weak are made strong under the anointing. Those who are sick become well under the anointing. Those who are under attack develop a resolve that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper under the anointing. The Bible says that every yoke of bondage is destroyed not because of your desire but because of the anointing. Crooked ways are made straight and things that are unclear suddenly become clear when God anoints your eyes to see the path that he has charted for you under the anointing. The impossible becomes possible not because you really want things to change but because suddenly your situation has become anointed. You may have lost hope. You may not have joy to night. You may have lost your song. You may be wondering which direction you should go, but I came to Bodkins, Ohio tonight because I believe in the awesome power of the anointing, and I believe when you leave this place, God is going to take you in a direction that will lead you to greatness for the glory of God and the power of His kingdom. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. So let's read tonight these verses from the book of Psalms, the 23rd chapter and the 5th verse. If you're there, say amen. amen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Quickly looking at the book of Isaiah, the 10th chapter, the 27th verse. There the Bible says... And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, say his burden, will be taken away from your shoulder, say your shoulder, and his yoke, say his yoke, shall be from your neck, say your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. I want to tell you some things that the anointing is not. The anointing is not a one-time event. Tonight in the end of this service, I'm going to give every person in this room who wants to be the opportunity to be anointed. The reason I'm going to do that is not because I don't believe you've never been anointed, but you need to know that the anointing is not a one-time event. David writes the shepherd's psalm in Psalms 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David knew very personally the characteristics of a shepherd. And so he begins to describe the relationship that exists between the shepherd and the sheep. 
And in the midst of this description, he comes to a point that he's very familiar with and he understood that the anointing was not a one-time event. When he as a shepherd said, he anoints my head with oil, he was talking about something that as a shepherd he did for his sheep on a constant basis. If you've ever spent any time in Israel, you know that it's a very dry and arid land, but it responds very quickly to rain, and the rain doesn't come throughout the year. The rain comes in a season. This is why when David describes the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, he begins by saying, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes sheep can be walking through green pastures of provision and unless they're smart enough to lay down, they're not going to receive any of the benefit that God has provided for them. Have you ever seen anybody who's walking in God's blessings talking about barrenness? I just wish God would bless me. And you go, look around. You're pretty blessed. You know, if you'd spend more time counting blessings than complaining about burdens, you'd find out what a green pasture you're in. David said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Because God is all-knowing. We live moment to moment, and we don't know what the next moment brings. God does. So when he sees green pastures, he says to his sheep, lie down here and get full, because this might be the last time you eat for a while. I came up in a house of five children and I understood what dinner time was. Dinner time was not a time to ask what was for, what was for, what the meal was. Dinner time was a time to eat because with five of us, you might not get to eat again for a while. Now, my sisters were more picky. What are we having? That's not important. It's time to eat. So David says, when I'm lying down in these green pastures, God is providing for me. But as a shepherd, he understood that something happens in green pastures. The sheep that eat in green pastures oftentimes find their faces irritated by these fresh blades of grass. And just like a paper cut that you'd get on your finger, sheep would get small incisions in their nasal area, in their nose, in their muzzle, in their mouth. And I saw sheep as we were flying in here tonight. And I mean, I'm sure that the world doesn't change. It's the same way. They, they, they get a, a poke in the eye and they get all kinds of irritating things that happen. And it's not a bad thing. It's just something that occurs based on their existence. But when a sheep gets these sores and gets these cuts flies go and they fly around the head of the animal and oftentimes will get into those wounds and they'll lay eggs. Now these eggs begin to hatch and I don't want to disturb anybody with this graphic description here, but this looks like an agriculture area. I'm from Texas. I wear boots. You can probably handle the news. But whenever these fly eggs hatch, as you know, they create maggots. These maggots begin to work into the sinus cavities of these sheep and they begin to torment these sheep to such a point that the sheep will do anything and everything they can to dislodge this thing, this parasite, this infestation from their head. They'll run from pasture to pasture and bang their head against a rock. They'll go and they'll find a post and do whatever they can. They'll rub against it and they'll act tormented and angry because they've got something inside that they can't get to and they can't get out of it. Well, when a good shepherd sees his sheep in this kind of anguish, he had a chalice of oil that he carried with him. And that oil had fragrance in it. It had frankincense and it had myrrh. Myrrh was a healing property. Frankincense was a fragrance. And he would take this animal up in his arms and after seeing this animal pound his head against a rock, he didn't take his rod and go, you stupid sheep, why are you banging your head here? Let me help you bang, bang, bang. He would see the torment and the anguish of the animal and he would pick him up and he would take the oil and he would pour it on the head of the animal. And the anointing balm and the fragrance of that oil would go over the animal's head and it would infiltrate every one of those cuts. The myrrh would heal the cut. The fragrance would drive out the flies. And you could almost hear the sheep in the shepherd's arm go, Oh, thank you. But David as a shepherd understood that this wasn't going to be that sheep's last time to be anointed. 
He understood that sooner or later some new torment, some new anguish was going to come into this animal's life. And as a good shepherd, he wouldn't look at him and go, it's you again. What are you doing up here? Why are you coming back to me one more time? He would pick up the animal once again, hold him just like he did the last time, and pour the oil right where he had poured it previously so that the animal would be relieved from the pain of the existence that he was in. You see, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he wanted us to understand that God treats us far better than a good shepherd would treat his own natural sheep. The anointing is not a one-time event. There's going to be seasons in your life where you become tormented by circumstances and situations for which you by yourself in your own strength cannot find relief. There's going to be hours in which you're so frustrated that you'll go bang your head against anything you can find that looks like relief. I know people who have banged their head against a bottle of alcohol for years trying to find relief from the pain of the past. I know people that are lost in pills today trying to find relief from the pain in the moment. I know people who are looking for relief in any carnal way they can search for it because they think some way, somehow, they're going to do something that dislodges the pain and the torment and the anguish that's in their life and the good shepherd doesn't see you doing those things and walk up to you with his rod and go you silly stupid sheep he says if you'll let me take you in my arms I'll anoint your head with oil my Holy Spirit will deliver you from the pain and it will drive the tormentor from you in the New Testament, Jesus was casting out demons and in the process of doing so, he identified the situation by saying that the demons he was casting out were sent from Beelzebub. How many of you are familiar with that passage in the New Testament? The translation of Beelzebub is what? Lord of the flies. The enemy that we have, that serpent of old, Satan, he's the Lord of the flies. He looks for the little cracks and crevices in your life where he can infest himself and irritate and agonize you. And it might not happen all at once. It might happen one at a time. It might happen over a series of seasons. It might happen in, in, in one fell swoop. But sooner or later, he's going to try and bring anguish into your life. And when he does, that's when you need the awesome power of the anointing. And the anointing is not a one-time event. I know people that say, well, I'm good. I got anointed back in 78, Reverend. I can still smell it. Well, I assure you, I don't need just a one-time Jesus. I need an on-time Jesus. So regardless of what you're searching for tonight, whether it's physical relief or it's emotional relief or it's spiritual relief, I assure you that there is an anointing that breaks the yoke based on what the Bible says. Not only is the anointing not a one-time event, but the anointing is not an excuse to avoid trouble. Oftentimes people get anointed, as you will tonight, and they immediately believe that they've been christened with a get-out-of-jail-free card. David was anointed and David lived in trouble. And I'm not talking about Goliath. Goliath wasn't trouble for David. Goliath was a gift to David to establish him in Israel. Trouble didn't come until he went and played his harp for Saul. When Saul, who missed on the presence of God, saw the presence of God on David, he attacked David, not because he didn't like the boy, not because the music was irritating, but he saw something in David that he wanted in himself. You need to know that when you receive this anointing, those who do not have it and desire it will use any weapon they can to either stop you from walking in it or find it themselves. Jesus said, the world hated me. Do not be surprised when they don't like you. The anointing doesn't get you out of trouble. David was anointed and he lived in caves until God took him in his season to the throne. Jesus was anointed. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking, because he has what? Anointed me. He was anointed and yet he lived in trouble. Religious leaders spoke against him. They lied about him. They falsely accused him. He was hated to the point that they killed him, but he was anointed. 
The disciples were anointed. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the source of power in the anointing is the holy presence of God. And these disciples, although they were anointed and they were filled with power, they got a guided tour of the penitentiaries of Asia. The Bible says they were pressed, they were crucified, they were exiled, they were beheaded, they saw trouble, but they were anointed. Oftentimes God's children come under attack even though they have the anointing of God on their life and they get a real bad case of the why me's. You know any why me tribe Christians? Why am I going through this? Why doesn't God move? Why, power? why problems? Why sickness? Why this? Why that? You need to know that the anointing does not get you out of struggle. The anointing ensures your success over struggle. It's the anointing that takes weakness and makes it strong. It's the anointing that gives you the boldness to declare, I am pressed, but I am not crushed. I am persecuted, but I am not abandoned. I am struck down, but I am not destroyed. I am the highly favored of the Lord God. I live and walk and move by His power and might. I have a promise that makes me the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and under the anointing, God can arise and and his enemies can be scattered. The last thing that the anointing is not is the anointing is not optional. If you want to fulfill your destiny in God, you have to have his Holy Spirit power and anointing. You can fulfill your desires in this life and they will be yours and yours alone. But under his anointing, you go with him and he goes with you. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's not the sermon. It's the anointing that sets captives free. It's not the words of a man. It's the anointing that is the living water that flows through a service that allows every thirsty soul to drink. It's the anointing that produces signs and wonders. It's not a process. It's the anointing that takes the common words of ignorant people and turns them into a sermon that brings souls to Christ. It's the anointing that makes the lame leap. It's the anointing that crushes the cells of cancer. It's the anointing that makes deaf ears open. It's the anointing that makes blinded eyes see. Without the anointing, a song is just noise. Without the anointing, a sermon is a lecture. Without the anointing, the church is a social club. But with the anointing, troubles vanish, hearts are mended, homes are restored, marriages are resurrected, businesses explode with abundance. It's the anointing that makes the barren bring forth life. It's the anointing that takes a mountain and moves it into the cast of the sea. It's the anointing that brings the yoke of bondage and breaks it off of you so that you can come in one way and leave changed and changed forever. It's the power of the anointing and it is not optional. So what is it about this anointing that works? Isaiah chapter 10 tells us, and it shall come to pass in that day that his yoke shall be taken from your shoulders and his burden shall be taken from your neck. And the verse concludes by saying, and the yoke shall be destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. Say that with me. Because of the anointing. Now in this particular passage in Isaiah, King Hezekiah has a problem. Sennacherib is trying to take over Jerusalem. And Sennacherib is an enemy that's too strong for Hezekiah to meet on his own. And he's like a yoke around an animal's neck. And this is a very vivid picture that I want you to get. Hezekiah can't leave. Hezekiah can't prosper. Hezekiah can't think because all around him there's 180,000 Assyrians waiting to destroy his city. So whether or not Hezekiah is still king doesn't really matter because Sennacherib is in control. 
There's a lot of people who live in this life thinking that they're in charge of their own destiny. But as long as they're fighting against an enemy that's stronger than they can whip, the enemy is in control. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 6. It says that we were slaves to sin. And slaves have no free will. Slaves do not get to tell their master what they will and will not do in a given day. If you are the slave and someone else is the master, whatever the master says to do, you do. So when we were slaves to sin, it was as if Satan had placed a yoke upon our shoulders and regardless of what he said, we had to do. I know people that are in bondage to sin and being in bondage to sin, they don't want to engage in sinful behavior, but the master said sin and they did. The master said drink and they drank. The master said go and they went. The master said be in chains of addiction and they snorted it and they swallowed it and they sold it and they bought it. And in spite of how badly they wanted to be free, they could not get free because they had a yoke upon them. I've seen those people take that yoke off. I'm not going to do this anymore. And for a season it worked. But sooner or later I saw that yoke placed back on. Even worse than before. Why? Because as long as you take a yoke off, it can still be used later on in your life. But when it's broken, when it's broken... When it's broken, it might be firewood, it might be kindling for your camp, it might be anything you want it to be, but if it's broken, it's no longer a yoke. Every oxen that's ever plowed the field knows what it's like to have a yoke taken off. They're going to stay without the yoke for the evening, but when morning comes, the yoke's back on and it's right back out to the field. The verse in Isaiah chapter 10 doesn't say he's going to take the yoke off. It says the yoke shall be broken because of the anointing. What is it about this anointing that breaks the yoke? The last place I want to take you in scripture before we get into the process of receiving this anointing is in Exodus chapter 30 verse 23 through 25. Here in Exodus, God is speaking to Moses and he says, Take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of oil. And you shall make from these a holy and anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. The recipe for this oil is not Moses' recipe. The recipe for this oil comes directly from God. And here's what God tells Moses very distinctly to put in it. The first thing he tells him to put is myrrh. Say that with me, myrrh. And the thing that was powerful about myrrh is myrrh was a painkiller. Myrrh was the Old Testament's version of morphine. If you don't think it's powerful, read in the New Testament what they offered Jesus on the sponge. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh. And the reason that they did this is not because they wanted to be merciful. The reason that they did this as Romans, they were professional executioners and they knew in spite of all they had put him through, if they could get him to drink myrrh, they would numb his pain and they could torture him longer. The first thing that God tells Moses to put in this anointing oil is something that's so powerful it will kill the pain of a crucifixion. And people would say, well, why is that something to be significant? I know a lot of people that the torment and the anguish and the yoke in their life is driven by pain. 
It's the pain of past offense. It's the pain of abuse. It's the pain of failure. It's the pain of rejection. It's the pain of bitterness. I don't know exactly what pain you may be here suffering from tonight, but I do know that there is an anointing that has painkiller in it and can remove all of the pain of yesterday and make you forget about the situations and circumstances of the past and can take away what the world said you'd never get over if you will receive the anointing of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit in your life tonight. He said, take myrrh. The next thing he said was to take cinnamon and cane. Now, what is it about the ingredients of cinnamon and cane? Cinnamon and cane were fragrance. And in other chapters of the Bible, you read about the anointing oil, and it's called the oil of gladness. Now, why is it called the oil of gladness? I'm going to give you some very practical, biblical understanding here. Back in the Old Testament, they didn't have showers. But they had a lot of sweat. They lived in a desert. They wore a lot of linens. It was sweat that was central heat and air. The longer they would sweat... The wetter their clothes would get, when the breeze would blow through their clothes, there was moisture in the clothes and the breeze would make them feel cool. Now, I know that probably sounds graphic, but we've been talking about a lot of things tonight, like flies and all kinds of different things and maggots and everything, so you can handle a little sweat and body odor. Not only did they not have showers and did they have a lot of sweat, but they walked around on the ground or they rode on the original environmental green burning energy vehicles, camels and donkeys and horses. And whenever your visitors came to your house, chances were they didn't come from down the street. Chances were they came from a long way away. They had traveled several days. They had sweat for several days. They rode their stinking camel for several days. They walked in front of their donkey for several days. And when they came into your tent, you went over and you got the oil of gladness. And in it was sweet-smelling cinnamon and cane. And you went, I am so glad to see you. And they were glad that you anointed them, and you were glad that they were anointed. Because instead of smelling the circumstances that they had just walked out of, you got to smell the cinnamon and the cane. So the sweet-smelling cinnamon and cane is a fragrance. What's important about the fragrance? One thing I know about life is not only is it painful, but there's seasons in life that just flat out stink. There's nothing good you can tell me about it. I know a lot of people try to chuckle about their past sin, but that season stunk. There's no way you can get the good out of it. And God says, if you'll let me anoint you, I'll put a fragrance on your future that will take away all of the stench of your past. The last thing that was placed in this holy anointing oil was frankincense. It was a preservative. In this chapter, it's called cassia. It's frankincense, what they offered to Jesus whenever they came as the wise men did for a gift for the king. Frankincense was a preservative. It's what the Egyptians used to embalm their mummies. And once they were poured in frankincense, they were preserved and they did not find any corruption the longer they laid in tomb. Whenever the Bible talks about the women who went to the tomb who were going to go wrap Jesus in fragrant oils and spices, they were taking frankincense so that they would make sure that he did not see corruption in the grave. Now, why is it important that in this holy anointing oil, not only is there a painkiller and not only is there a fragrance, but there's a preservative. Because whenever you receive this anointing, the world is going to do everything it can to say it changes nothing. 
You might have walked through a season of anointing, but you're not anointed anymore. You might have had a season in which God was really good to you, but He's not good to you like He was before. You might have had a season where everything went your way. Well, get ready for a season where it's all going to turn around and go wrong. And it's a preservative that reminds you, my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever He promised me, it's still performing in my life. Even if the vision would tarry, all I've got to do is wait until it comes. I'm anointed. I was anointed whenever His Holy Spirit fell on me. I was anointed the day He set me free. I was anointed the day He called me into ministry. I was anointed the day that I felt Him move in my life. And it doesn't matter what the world has to say. The anointing didn't come from the world. They didn't give it. They can't take it away. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis and the doctor's office is. The doctor didn't anoint me. He can't take it away. It doesn't matter what they're telling me out in the street. The street didn't give me the anointing. It was the spirit of the living God and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So not only does this anointing kill the pain and not only does it overcome the past, but this anointing stays with you into the future. And that's why it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Tonight I want to give you the opportunity to receive this anointing. Tonight I want to give you the opportunity to know what it's like to have this oil of gladness on your life. And so how we're going to do that is I want to have a prayer line in which I understand you line up in this aisle here and as the musicians come and they play, I want us to have an atmosphere of worship in this place because the Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. And I want you to walk from that aisle and I'm going to anoint you here as you return to your seat. And once everyone in this sanctuary who wishes to receive this anointing has... We are going to pray a prayer in which I believe the yoke in your life, whatever it happens to be, the yoke of sickness, the yoke of bondage, the yoke of pain, the yoke of poverty, maybe it's a generational yoke you're carrying around tonight, whatever it happens to be. When I received the invitation to come speak here, I know that I felt the Lord tell me, preach the anointing. And I believe that yokes will be broken tonight because that's what the Bible says. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Would you stand to your feet with me? Heavenly Father, we're about to receive your power manifested in our lives. And so I'm serving notice now upon every power, principality, and demon force that you are defeated and destroyed you have been by the power of the name of Jesus, by the blood of His cross. And we're here to walk in that victory tonight. That as we receive this anointing, the yokes and the circumstances in our life that control us will be broken. And whom the sun sets free will be free indeed. We receive this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who'd like to be anointed, begin walking this way. And I look forward to seeing God move in your life. Things are. 
Father, I thank you. I thank you like Jesus thanked you outside the tomb of Lazarus. I thank you that you have heard me. And I thank you that which the world has called dead can come alive in Jesus Christ tonight. I thank you that there are families in this room that are being restored in spite of what the enemy has tried to destroy tonight. I thank you that there are those who are hiding addictions that are going to be destroyed because of what the anointing is doing in this place tonight. I thank you that there are generational curses that are being devoured because of what God's hand can do in a moment tonight. I thank you that there are physical bodies that are being healed regardless of the sickness, regardless of the diagnosis, regardless of the outlook because it is God who makes a way where there seems to be no way tonight. I thank you that there are needs that are being met because our God is a provider who has promised that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory glory tonight. I thank you that there are young people in this place tonight whose life is being filled with faith where there was once only fear because of the anointing tonight. I thank you that there are families Heavenly Father that now know that there is a hope for tomorrow because the God of all hope is in this place tonight. Heavenly Father I thank you that poverty is being destroyed and doubt is being driven out and every form of affliction and bondage is being broken because your word has promised that the anointing would be taken away that the burden would be removed and the yoke would be destroyed because of the anointing so we announce tonight to every power and to principalities of darkness and to every host in wickedly places that we have been covered from the top of our head to the soles of our feet in the power of a life giving anointing we have been covered in the power of a pain killing anointing we have been covered in the power of an anointing that is preserving our lives, heart, soul, mind, and body, that as we leave this place, we declare that we are more than conquerors through Christ. We cannot be defeated. We are the mighty and we are the righteous. We are the redeemed of the Lord who say so. So as we stand in this place and we lift up our hands and we open our mouths, we declare victory in this house tonight. We declare the joy of the Lord in this place tonight tonight. We declare the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We've come saying we need a miracle. We've come saying all we have to do is believe. Well, we believe in the God of miracles. We believe in the God who does all things well. We believe in the God who fashioned and formed the earth and brought it forth with his word and has spoken a life-giving word in us tonight that what was not there shall become because the God who is our creator is creating it afresh and new in us. There is nothing that can stop us. There is nothing that can defeat us. There is nothing that can take away what God has given us through Christ His Son. So tonight I declare in Bodkins, Ohio, in this sanctuary, that if God be for us, who can be against us in the mighty name of Jesus, who is Christ our Savior? In Jesus' name, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, we give you honor. Let the shout of the King be heard in the camp of the righteous. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. presence is in this place. Your power is moving in this moment. And we thank you that your word has been fulfilled. That the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Father. All of God's children said, praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
God bless you. Tell your pastor how much fun we had. And if you liked it, ask him to bring me back. If you didn't like it, tell him it's because you missed him so much. I want to tell you what an honor it's been to share a moment in God's presence with you. I love to feel his presence. I love to see lives touched. And I know that his anointing is upon you. And the yoke has been destroyed. Amen. I've been given permission by your pastor tonight to receive an offering for John Hagee Ministries and the work that we do and the work that has been done for many decades. Our purpose is to take all of the gospel to all of the world and to every generation. This ministry is reaching not only 22,000 members in San Antonio, but a school that has more than 1,200 children and more than 250 nations. We're broadcasting the gospel right here in Ohio three times a day. And it's all by God's grace. It's all by His power and His provision. And what you give tonight is going to be taken and used to continue that work. So that the anointing and the yoke-breaking power of Jesus Christ that's in this place has the ability to break yokes of bondage all over the world based on the seed that you sow. I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you tonight. Again, I mentioned that I'll be in the lobby for those who'd like to have the opportunity to say hello, I'll be signing books for those of you who acquire them. And God bless you. The way that we dismiss service, and I'm not dismissing because you got an offering to give, you can't leave till you do that, is that we speak a, a blessing over you. And so if you would, please just raise your hand and I want to speak a blessing. Father, bless them and keep them. and Make your face to shine upon them and give them your peace. Peace to know that because Christ is our anointed one and he lives in us, this yoke-breaking power of the anointing is upon us when we lie down and sleep, when we wake up and rise. It's upon us as we go and it's upon us at every time we enter. And it is overcoming every enemy that has been defeated and no weapon that can prosper. We receive this blessing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the power of His might. All of God's children said, Amen.